Um, when I clocked out of work, uh, I went to my truck. I'm not going to lie. I just wore out, wore out. And I got in my truck, turned on the radio, and this song came on. And Lord said, you, you need to sing this. I said, okay. So I sang it on the way home. Check, got, got, took care of it, Lord. And then on the way here, he put it in my head again and said, no, you need to sing this tonight. I said, no, Lord, we don't do specials on Wednesday night. Don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Don't want, nope, you need to sing. And then we sang, I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll sing an extra congregational. That'll, that'll satisfy him. And we sang three congregationals tonight. Just show y'all what goes on inside this little head up here. And no, I sat down and, uh, I flipped the book open. I said, fine, Lord, I'll sing it. What pages? I flipped the book open and there it was, 431. I didn't even have to look it up. So I said, all right, Lord. Uh, so I hope this is a blessing. I'm supposed to sing it. So if you don't like it, blame the Lord. Amen. 431. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I Falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses, and He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of His voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing, and the melody that He gave to me within my heart is ringing and I'd stay in that garden with him though the night around me is falling but he bids me go through the voice of woe, his voice to me is calling, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there 
none other has ever known. Amen. In the garden. It's a beautiful song. I'm glad somebody took the time to sit down to write that one. Amen. If you got your two fingers tonight, Hebrews chapter number 11 and Joshua chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 11 and Joshua chapter number 2. When you get to Hebrews 11, find verse 31 and stand up. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. I cheated. I wrote down the page number in my Bible since I don't have two ribbons. Got me a ribbon on one side and I wrote down the page number the other side. Some of y'all still beat me there. How many of y'all remember being in a youth, youth or children's church and having sword drills? We had to hold your Bible up in the air, couldn't open it, and then pastor would name the book, chapter, verse, and the first one to find it, you know, want a candy bar or something. Well, we did that in the youth group, and I said, turn to the book of Hezekiah, chapter 5, verse 6. All right, how many of you think, of, how long did it take you to find that book? Hezekiah, chapter 5, verse 6. Everybody knows where that one is, right? Everybody knows where that is? Some of y'all is real unsure. There ain't no book of Hezekiah. But them teenagers would turn and turn and turn and turn and turn and table of contents and index and they'd look back and forth. There ain't no book of Hezekiah. But praise the Lord. Uh, we've got a church full of people that already knew that. They weren't worried about that. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 31. The Bible says, By faith, the harlot. Notice her introduction here. By faith, the harlot, Rahab, perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your ministry here on earth. Thank you so much that you can even use the ones like Rahab. God, tonight as we dive deep into your word, Lord God, I pray that you help us to understand what it is in this young lady's life that we can look at and see you all in it, God. See you high and lifted up and identify ourselves with Christ tonight. God, I pray that you use this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So we know uh, last week we talked about Joshua, the hero of courage. Good, we got one. Joshua, the hero of courage. Uh, we talked about how Moses, his servant, was dead and how Joshua, son of Nun, would have to step up fill those shoes, lead the people of Israel. He would have to have courage and draw his courage from his people. He would have to draw courage from the word of God, the people of God. And he would have to draw courage from the Lord, his God, and have to walk with him and talk with him and stay close beside him. And now we see Joshua looking across there at the city of Jericho and we see him looking across and the armies of Israel had uh, gathered together, the people of Israel had gathered together rather, and they were ready. Uh, they had a promise from God to march around the city and to blow their trumpets and that the walls would fall. Um, and the people within Jericho had heard about the things God hath done with the Hebrews and with the people of Israel. And the people inside Jericho had heard about the parting of the Red Sea and the destruction of the Egyptian army. The people inside Jericho had heard a little bit about what God had done. Uh, and here we enter on the scene in Joshua chapter number 2, uh, a young lady by the name of Rahab. All right. And just like in Hebrews chapter number 11, she's introduced much the same way in Joshua chapter number two in verse number one. Let's read. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shidom two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house. 
Notice the way this is portrayed in Scripture, the way it is very specific, both in Hebrews chapter number 11 and in Joshua chapter number 2, thousands of years apart, two completely different writers, two completely different subjects, two completely different epistles or books of the Bible, and both of them introduce Rahab, not by her name Rahab, but they introduce her by the harlot. How would you like to have that introduction? If I were to speak these, this name to you and I said, Billy Graham the... Evangelist, preacher, right? Billy Graham, the, there's an immediate title. There's an immediate thing that pop into your head when I say Billy Graham, the preacher, or Billy Graham, the evangelist, or Billy Graham, the um, whatever you want to call him, whatever pops into your head. There is a title associated with Billy Graham. Why? Because he was known for doing a very specific thing. He was known for a specific lifestyle, a specific ministry, a specific whatever you want to call it. And we know that that was a positive attribute attached to Billy Graham. But if I were to stand up here and I said, oh, Osama bin Laden, the terrorist. All right. That was an easier one. Some of it, we know Osama bin Laden was the one that oversaw and orchestrated that terrible attack on the Twin Towers on 9-11. Osama bin Laden, without even having to think about it, we know and we associate the title of terrorist. All right. When we hear the name, we know he's a terrorist. When we think about Billy Graham, we know that he was a preacher. We know that he was evangelist. We just automatically, as people, we whether it's a stereotype or whether it's just the way we think or whether however you want to word it, we associate titles with people that use and devote their lives to a specific lifestyle, a specific ministry, a specific belief, a specific cause, and quickly your life can become your title. And when Rahab was spoke about before her name was introduced in Scripture, now these are holy men of God writing these words. These are holy preachers of God. These are men that God was literally using to write the Word of God. And He made sure. We know that every word is given by inspiration of God. And we know that every word is where it is and why it's there is important. And in both cases, the harlot was how this young lady was introduced. How would you like to be introduced as the harlot. Before anybody knew your name, before anybody knew how old you were or knew what your favorite color was or knew what your talents were or knew what you were good at or, or knew how good of a mother you were or knew how good of a father, before anything was mentioned about you, before any subject of conversation came up about you, the way you were introduced for readers for thousands of years to come were the harlot, the prostitute. The woman who had resorted to selling her body to make a living. The woman who had a, had a lifestyle of adultery. A woman who had a lifestyle of uh, fornication, sex outside of marriage. A woman who had made a lifestyle being a woman of harlotries, being a woman of this thing of prostitution. That is who Rahab was. And it was her title that had become to define her. It had become what she was defined as. That when people looked at her, when people, when she passed by people in the street, no longer was her name even important. She was labeled as the harlot. There goes the harlot. There goes the prostitute. There goes that wicked woman, that lewd woman, that uh, illustrious woman that likes to do this and do that. And, and we've seen those people. We've seen people that they've devoted their lifestyle to whatever it may be. They've devoted, they've devoted their lifestyle to that avenue of sin and suddenly they become an addict. Suddenly they become a, uh, a homeless person that chooses to be homeless and won't get a house or won't get a job. And we assign that title to them and we assign that 
uh, lifestyle to them. And in our eyes, there's no way they can get out of it. In our eyes, there's no way they could change the way they, they are. The way We put them in that little box. We put them in that little stereotype. And forever, in our eyes, they are the harlot. They are the addict. They are the homeless. They are the what, what this or that. Uh, whatever you want to name them, whatever title you want to give them, that is what we're dealing with here in the young lady of Rahab. But Rahab would find herself in a place where she had an opportunity to change that. She had an opportunity to maybe do one thing right in her life full of bad. She had an opportunity to seize one moment, to seize one time, to align herself on the good side for once in her life. You see, the spies come into Israel. Put this, put yourself in the shoes. Now the people of Israel, they know what God's done for them. They know and they remember the parting of the Red Sea. They know and they remember what happened to those Egyptians. They know and remember and they know the Lord is with them, that the Lord is in this. And now they've got themselves a young leader in Joshua and they've got themselves a young man who's talking with God, who's walking with God and who's giving them the plan from God. And they're excited. They're, they're getting ready to go in and seize the land. And Joshua has promised them, God has promised them that nobody's going to stand against them. But then you have the people over in Jericho and they see the people of Israel <clears throat> off in the distance. No doubt they had scouts. No doubt they had watchtowers or a mighty city. They would have had security. And they hear that the Israelites are coming into their land and that the Israelites' first stop is going to be Jericho. And they weren't concerned so much about those Israelites. They weren't concerned much about the people that were coming to come at their city. They were concerned about the God that was standing with Israel. They were concerned about the God that had part of the Red Sea. They were concerned about the God that had delivered them out of the hand of Egypt. So you would have this fear set in in the city of Jericho. And here you have Rahab caught right in the middle. She knows that she has been labeled. She has been identified as. She has been pinned, coined, termed, the harlot. And she knows that the people there in Jericho, they have named her this. She knows that even if the people in Israel come, they would be able to see the scars on her little life. They would be able to see the pain and the stain of her lifestyle. And you can imagine as this little young lady, Rahab, standing there in the middle, she does not know what's going to happen to her. What's going to happen to her. Maybe even through this lifestyle, she doesn't even care what happens to her. She's so beat up. She's so downtrodden when the Israelites are on the bridge of, of moving in. The Israelites are on the bridge of invasion and all the Jerichoans or whatever you want to call them uh, are scared and they're rumoring about how things are going to go bad and how they're going to lose and how this God's going to come in and destroy them all. Maybe Rahab was just like, well, at least it'll be quick. At least I can get this miserable life over with. But Rahab did something. Rahab changed something. Rahab acted. Rahab, the hero of action. You see, she didn't turn over a new leaf. She didn't make any kind of spiritual this commitment or that commitment. She didn't do anything crazy. She didn't do anything uh, <clears throat> um, super spiritual. Let's look at exactly what Rahab did here in chapter number 2 of the book of Joshua, verse number 2, uh, verse number 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shidom two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now, understand the circumstances that would have caused them to jump into a young lady's house, jump into a house off the street. They are spies in the kingdom of Jericho. They are not supposed to be there. The last thing they would want to do is go... 
can I stay the night here, please? The last thing they would want to do is to knock on the door of some random house. They've never been to Jericho before. When they knocked on that door, there's no way they could have known it was Rahab's house. There's no way they could have known that Rahab was going to receive them in and not sound the alert, not sound the alarm. They would have had to have been, in order for them to act on this, in order for them to have been willing to go into somebody's house, hide in somebody's house, knock on somebody's door, even kick in somebody's door, it would have had to have been a last resort. Maybe they had been caught, and we'll find out later, they had already been caught. They, their presence had been found out. And we see immediately this young lady Rahab confronted with this decision that she has to make. Now, keep in mind, her whole life, everybody's told her she's useless. Everybody's told her she can't do anything right. Everybody's told her she's just a piece of meat. She's just somebody who has to sell her body to provide for her family or provide for herself or to survive. She, up until this point, has been told that she has absolutely no use. And here, she finds herself in the most critical position in Israel's history when she's confronted by these two spies who are on the run, who are scared to death, who are being pursued by the men and the, the soldiers of Jericho. And they come in and they're, they're looking for refuge. They're looking for somewhere to hide. And immediately as she's confronted, she had to act. She didn't have time to think about it. She didn't have time to weigh the pros versus cons. She had to align herself and choose on that day what side she was on. Was she on Israel's side? Was she on the Lord's side? Or was she on Jericho's side? And we know that she took, she took them in and hid them. She took action despite... Her kind, her kind, her title, her stereotype, her harlotry. When confronted with this decision, she immediately gave refuge. When confronted by the two types of people being men, when confronted with two soldiers, two types of people that had no doubt taken advantage of her in her past, no doubt taken advantage of her uh, lifestyle, no doubt uh, did things to her and treated her as, as property. Treated. She sees two soldiers and she shows compassion to these two men. She shows safekeeping to these two men. As these two spies are knocking on her door, she does something and she takes action despite the woman she is despite the kind of woman she had been labeled to be. You see, this young lady, and if you've ever dealt with somebody who's, who's lived through this lifestyle, you'd know that they are terrified. That they are terrified and they are mortified of these, of these, of these soldiers, of these men, of these people who have taken advantage of them in the past. It, it takes many, many years before, and sometimes never, before that young lady will let it even shake hands with a man or even sit next to a man on an airplane. But here, as they're knocking on the door and they're needing a place to stay, they're needing a place of safety, she says, come in. Go up to the roof. Hide yourselves. Do you see how contradictory this would be to the kind of woman she's used to being? This would have been an interaction that would have scared her, that would have caused her to flee. Being a woman of harlotries, being a when she's confronted by these soldiers barging in her door, she would have been nervous. She would have been afraid. She might have even screamed for a second. She might have tried to... You never know in these cases, but despite her kind, she took action. She said, come in, men. Hide. All right? Look, it gets a little... Her decision starts to get a little bit more... Uh, Wade here in verse number 3. And the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thy house. For they come to search out all the country. See, how, how did you know they were on the run? How did you know they got caught? Well, right here, the king knew they were there. The king knew that they were spies, that they had come to search out all the country. And the king even knew through his resources that they had made their way to Rahab's house. So now Rahab has... I keep saying rehab because I've been talking about that with a coworker all day. Her name's Rahab, not rehab. Um, she comes to a further decision. Now she has the king of Jericho demanding 
that she produced these two spies. He says, I know they're in Jericho. I know they're spies. I know they've come here to seek out the whole land. And Rahab, I know they're at your house or you've had contact with them or you've seen them. Now, Rahab, look at the position of power the king is standing on. She took action in spite of her king. You see, her king would have been able to provide her anything she wanted in exchange for being the hero of Jericho, in exchange for turning over the spies. Look at the opportunity that's presented itself to Rahab. Rahab could have turned in those two spies. Rahab could have said, King, they're right here. Or she could have said, sent a secret message and said, Come get them. They'll be at this place at this time and you can arrest them. She had the opportunity to turn her little life around. She would have no longer been Rahab the harlot. She would have been Rahab the hero. Jericho could have possibly stopped the people of Israel in their tracks. They could have took out these two spies if Rahab would have just simply surrendered to her king. Simply said, Oh king, here they are. And if, you, and if you'll come get them, you'll come get them out of my house. Will you please remember me as a hero? Will you strip this title of harlot? Look at the temptation that would have been given to Rahab. She was Rahab the harlot. She was Rahab the one that everybody looked down on. The one that everybody uh, looked down on. The one that everybody cared nothing for. The one that everybody labeled as she walked down the street. This would have been her big chance to show all those people that doubted her and show all those people that pointed the finger at her and looked down at her to impress her king there in Jericho. But she, what she do? Look at the latter part of verse number 3. Which are entered into thine house, for they come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not where they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate when it was dark, that they went out, whither the men went, I want not. But pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax. She now, in her action, has committed treason against the king of Jericho. She has bold-faced lied to the king she had been serving her whole life, to the king who she had been following her whole life. She repented of her faith in him. She said, King, you asked me this question, I'm going to take action in spite of everything you could offer me, in spite of any sweet deal you could tip me with, in spite of any kind of luxurious lifestyle you could provide for me. I'm going to choose the Lord's side and I'm going to hide these men and I'm going to deceive you, king, that I'm currently serving. And as the gate began to close, they said they just went out the gate. If you hurry, you can catch them. And then the search party went out and then she goes up to the roof and says, all right, guys, they're gone. We've got a little bit of time. Look at the actions Rahab is taking here. She had the opportunity of a lifetime to be the hero of all Jericho. She denies it in spite of everything that king could have offered her. Everything that king... Now keep in mind, these are things that Rahab's been searching for her whole life. She has resorted to using her body as her income. There's no doubt she wanted protection. There's no doubt she wanted a faithful husband. There's no doubt she wanted a stable home and not have to worry about where she was going to sleep at night and not to have to worry about where her money was going to come in. The king, when he asked her that, could have provided her all of that. And she rejected him. She lied to him. She deceived him for the Lord's men. For the people of Israel. Let's keep reading and see just how much more courageous her action gets. In verse number 7, And the men pursued after them all the way to Jordan and to the fords. As soon as they which pursued, <coughs> pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up on the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Here's why. She understood 
who God was, and that your terror has fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did to the two kings of the Amorites, which were of the other side of Jordan, and Sion, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man, because for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above, and earth beneath. Understand, the reason she was able to take action against her kind, against her title, against everything she's ever known, the reason she was able to take action against her king, against the man that could have offered her everything this world had to offer, the man who could have made her life all better and made it all go away, the reason she rejected all those things was because she had a knowledge and an understanding of who the real king of kings was and who the real lord of lords was and who the real creator of all men was and who the real... God was on the throne. And she's taking action solely on her knowledge on that. She doesn't know the conversations God's had with Moses. She doesn't know the miracles they've done in the wilderness. All she knows is that this God, He is God. And she's taking action to change her circumstances, to change what what side she's on and who she's aligning with and what king she's going to serve right there in her little house. Now, she gets a double portion about everything you could ask for here soon. Let's keep reading. In verse number 11, uh, uh, verse number 12, Now therefore I pray ye, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Notice here the change that's taken place in the heart of Rahab. She's no longer concerned about her own self and her own actions and her own body and her own decisions. Now she's asking for salvation for her father, for her mother, for her brothers, for her sisters, for the whole household. Notice the change internally that's taken place. And the men answered her, Our life is for yours. If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, not if, always remember the promises of God are a when, not a if, when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she said, "Let down." Uh, then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, "Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way." And the men said unto her, "We will." Uh, be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come to the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whatever that whatsoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in thine house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, at which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed out, and bound the scarlet line in the window. And when they went and came to the mountain, there abode there three days until the pursuers returned. And when the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua and the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Now, 
The first two points were to get to this point. First of all, she took action despite of her kind, the person she was, the sin nature she had, her baggage, her depression, her uh, her damage, everything that had caused her, all the problems in her life. She took action despite of that. Secondly, she took action despite of her king, the one who would be tempted to solve all her problems, the one who would tempt her to make it all go away, the one who would tempt her to say, just tell me where they're at and we'll make you a hero, the one who would tempt her to say, just keep on serving your king, Mr. King of Jericho, just keep on serving your king, the prince in power over this world. Sound familiar? And I'll make sure you take, I'll take care of Rahab. I'll make sure I take care of you. But she took action despite of all that because she needed to take action for her keepsakes. Notice the, the agreement that's made between those two spies. Notice the agreement that's made between those two spies and Rahab. She said, for my act of kindness, will you spare me? Will you spare my father? Will you spare my mother? She had received a promise from God from these two men. She had received and had a head knowledge and understood that the God that these two men served had the potential to protect them, had the potential to save them, had the potential to, to do anything, all their false gods in Jericho. She saw something that she wanted, desired, and had to have, and she begged these two men, will you please save me alive? Will you please save my house? Will you please? There's so much New Testament in this, it's not even funny. Will you please help my brothers? Will you please help my sisters? Will you please? And they said, well, you, you've saved our lives. Well, why, why wouldn't we? Bind the scarlet thread and understand one thing. Rahab, understand one thing, young lady. Everybody that's in your house, they're good. We won't touch them. We're not gonna. We're not gonna mess with them. They're not gonna have. But if they go outside in the street, if they're not in the house, Rahab, let me make this clear, Rahab. If they're not in the house, the blood is not on our hands. If if you can't get them in your house, the blood is not on your hands. She, they agreed. They made the oath. The two spies take off. Now, what bit of information did they not give Rahab? Anybody pay attention there? When? They never told Rahab when they were coming back. They never told Rahab how long she had. They never told Rahab when the judgment was going to come. They gave her a mission. They gave her a commission. They said, there's going to come destruction over this whole city. The wrath of God Almighty is going to come and destroy everything that's here. So Rahab, you got to get everybody you know, everybody you care about, everybody that's in your father's house, everybody that you want to see saved from this judgment, everybody that you want to see saved from the wrath to come, you've got to get them in your house. Because if they're not in your house, if they're not in that place to say refuge, if they're not marked by that scarlet thread, if they're not marked by that scarlet rope, if they're not named with that blood sprinkled concourse of Calvary, if they're not covered, if they're not bought, if they're not ransomed, they're dead. We're coming to get them. So now she had to take action for her keepsake. She had to be the one to go and say, Mama, I know I'm a harlot. Mama, I know I've done these things. I know I've lived this lifestyle, but I've met God and I've met God's servants and I know He's real and I know judgment's coming. Mama, you got to stay in the house. Don't go outside. Just stay in the house. Just stay in here where it's going to be safe. I've, I've, I've received a promise, Mama. Daddy, you got to stay home. I don't know when the Israelites are coming, but you got to stay home. you got to stay home because this is the only place. Brothers, sisters, I know you want to go run and play. I know you want to go do that. I know I'm the last person you should be listening to. I know I've not made sense with my life. I know I've messed up. I know I've had baggage, but I've got something to tell you that judgment is coming and you got to get in the house. You got to believe me. You've got to believe this promise of God. You've got to hold this promise of God. You've got to have faith in this promise of God. Starting to sound familiar? Starting to sound familiar? This is the gospel, friend. Get in the house. So what's the application to us? What's the application to us? 
You remember that day you took action and you knelt and the blood fell and despite the sinner you were, despite the titles you had, despite how many times you had messed up, you remember that day where God came down and He saved your soul. You remember that day where you looked at the king over all this earth and said, I'm done pursuing what you want me to pursue, O king. Satan, I'm done chasing career. I'm done chasing women. I'm done chasing this. I'm done chasing that. I want to serve Jesus. I want to serve God. You remember those first two steps, but a lot of us find ourselves in that third category and trying to take action to preserve the ones we want to care about. Trying to get somebody to come to the house. Try to get somebody to stay inside where it's safe. Trying to get somebody to believe the gospel, to repent, and their name be written in the book of life, friend, because Jesus, just like those spies, they didn't tell us when they're coming back. They didn't tell us when the destruction will befall this nation. They didn't tell us when the hammer of God's wrath that has been stayed by the Holy Spirit of God, when the rapture happens and that Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, that hammer of judgment is going to fall. And there's no COVID. There's no pandemic. There's no political party. There's no riot. There's no uproar. That is anything close to what Satan will unfurl on this earth when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. And if we care about the generation that's around us, if we care about our brothers and our sisters that we rub shoulders with at work, if we care about our brothers and our sisters in our city and in Chattanooga and in Rossville and in Fort Oglethorpe and in Ringgold and in Chickamauga, we got to get them in the house. What's it going to take? What did it take for Ahab? Action. Action. Do it. Say something. What was the first action she took? What was it? She opened the door. Do you open doors? For you to be able to come into contact somebody that you could get to come in the house. I'm not talking about coming to the church, joining the church, church membership. That's all well and good, but that's not taking anybody to heaven. Do you open the door to conversations about Jesus? Or do you just say, well, if the door opens, I'll talk to him about Christ. If the door opens. Or what was the second step she took? She opened the door, let him in, but then who'd she have to defy? That worldly king. She had to defy the temptation of the devil to say, just give it up. Don't worry about it. Don't, turn them spies in. They, they ain't going to do nothing. Quit. I can offer you anything that, that, that those spies can offer you. I can offer you any, any kind of protection you could ever want, Rahab. What she have to do? She had to defy that voice, didn't she? And lastly, she had to get everybody she ever cared about in that house. But all three of them, Took action. Ooh, I got three minutes. That's a good time. Either any of you boys got like a $5 bill? $20 bill? I want to close with this illustration. Oh, we got Velcro wallet. All right. Right here, I got myself a $5 bill. If I ask the church, does anybody want this $5 bill? Free and clear, no strings attached. We'd all raise our hand, wouldn't we? I mean, just be honest. Yeah, I could use $5. That's a cup of coffee. That's half a cup of coffee for some of you who go drink that fancy stuff. All right. I, I could use $5. That's, that's a cheeseburger at lunch or half a cheeseburger at lunch if you eat the ones I eat. I, I could use $5. But then I took that $5 and I, I crumbled it up. I threw it on the ground. I kicked it a little bit, muddied it up, crumbled it up, and then said, who wants this $5? How many of us would still want it? It's still $5, isn't it? No, but no, wait a second. No, it, it, it got crumbled up. It got squeezed. 
It got smashed. It got stomped on. It got drugged through the dirt. It's still $5, isn't it? You can still buy that cup of coffee. It can still be used for what? But if I said, all right, I'm going to take it and I'm going to throw it through the mud. I'm going to put it under the water. I'm going to make it so nasty, so vile. I'm going to expose it to COVID-19. And I'm, I'm going to do this. And I'm, 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 I'm going to do this. And, and, and then I'll say, and I'm going to unfold it. I'm going to straighten out the edges. No matter what I try to do with it, still $5. Still worth $5. A lot of us Christians, we think, God could never use me to do that. God could never. I've, I've been through this. I've been trampled on. I've been crumbled up. I'm not. You're still worth it to God. What this world has done to you, what this world has titled you as, does not determine your value in God's eyes. See, when God looks at you, He sees a vessel. All He wants you to do is take action. All I want you to do is act in faith, believing that He's going to take care of whatever it is He's called you to do. So that's all Rahab had to go on. That's all Rahab had to act on. And she did it. You know what her name is in heaven? Rahab. It's not the harlot Rahab. Or Rahab the harlot. When she got to heaven, God said, Rahab, how are you doing? I'm God. Remember me? Pray. Father, thank you so much for Rahab. Thank you so much for the testimony she gave, the testimony she had, that she took action. When everyone else was afraid, when everybody else was trembling at the feet of their worldly king, this young lady sided with God. This young lady took action in faith, and Lord, we know she took action to preserve her house. Lord, that scarlet thread that we see there in Joshua, it's the same scarlet thread that ran all the way through our New Testament, all the way through the cross of Calvary, all the way up until now. And it's that promise that anybody covered and represented by that scarlet thread, represented by that blood of Jesus Christ, whose name is in the book of life, when your hand of judgment falls, when enough is enough and the Holy Spirit of God is taken out of the way with your bride, God will help us to take action to get him in the house. Help us to take action to get the gospel out. Lord, help us to see each and every one of us is valuable to you and can be used by you if we'll simply take action. Thank you for your church. Thank you for their faithfulness to come on Wednesday night. Bless each and every family represented here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.